So this is part two of the conversation with Pastor Andrew Arndt. Uh, welcome back to the Essential Church Podcast. We are taking a look at an article written by Pastor Andrew a few weeks ago that all of us have been talking about. We've been reading it. If you follow us on social media, we've been posting about this conversation. Um, and so just to review what we talked about last week, uh, the first five things that Andrew wrote that he wishes are prayers for the church for the next 10 years is, number one, to become more spiritual. Uh, number two, to recapture the wonder of our gatherings and of mm -hmm. our walk with God. Number three is to slow down mm -hmm. and to reimagine our pace of life. Mm -hmm. uh, number four, to listen better. And number five was to set a new tone for public discourse. And yeah. so in the part two of our podcast today, we're going to talk about the remaining five things that yeah. you are prayerful about, that you're thinking about, you're concerned about. Yeah. And so let's look at number six today. And I love this because this might be very difficult for uh, the American listener who's mm. listening, who everything is, should be shiny and new. <laughs> but you're saying number six is to embrace the beauty of our common life. We'll unpack that a bit for us. Uh, church is at once the most mysterious thing on planet Earth and the most ordinary thing on planet Earth. And I think that we need to develop eyes to to see that, the beauty of our common life. But when I wrote this one, I was thinking about a real paradigm shifter for me maybe 10 years ago was uh, reading the work of the Duke ethicist, uh, Stanley Hauerwas. And one of the things that he said that so helped me was that the church does not have a, a, a politics. In other words, it doesn't we don't, the church is not obligated to right or to left, to blue or to red or to anything in between, but the church is itself a politic or a politics. And what he means by that is that the way that we live together in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, the way that we take care of widows and orphans, the way that we reach across social and cultural divides to draw each other close and live together under the reign of the Spirit, that that itself is a testimony to the world of what the world will one day be when God in Christ is all in all. And that, you know, when you start thinking that way, it just makes you appreciate that all the normal stuff we do in church mm -hmm. is so important, yeah. that what we do in children's ministry is so important, and what we do in funerals are so important, and hospital visits are so important, and leisurely lunches with people when we can get them. It's all so important. So embracing the beauty of our common life and not feeling the pressure to, like you said, to glitz up our life, to make it more attractive than it really is. Mm -hmm. I think that people are walking into our gatherings wondering, are there humans here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, are why, these why people are like me? Like, do I belong here? So sometimes like our attempt to make everything so attractive, it's actually inimical to the process sure. of drawing people in. And when they come to the church, they see that there is no Jew, there is no Gentile, there is no slave, no free, no yeah. black, no white, no male, no female, no Republican, no Democrat. Wait, mm. you pool your resources together yes. and no one's making you do that? Yes. What, you're serving the poor and, and you're just choosing to do that? Yeah. We, we come to the same table of the Lord, yeah. black and white and brown, and you vote differently, but this is the one place on God's holy earth yes. where all of those dividing walls of separation crumble to yes. the floor, yes. and you forgive those that offend you, and you bless those that curse you, and what? Yeah, the church becomes an embodiment of a new possibility yeah. for living, yeah. but it can't do that if what it's exporting to the world is just a couple really finely tuned religious goods and services. Right. 
So an awesome service and a couple programs. Like mm -hmm. we have to do life together. Yeah. We have to be the church together. Well, what you're describing as the common life of the church is actually very uncommon in the culture. Where right. We're more isolated yeah. and alone than ever before. Yes. The digital devices have actually separated us yep. from real human contact. Mm -hmm. And so actually I think the church has this beautiful opportunity to yes. represent something that's been forgotten. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's face-to-face, voice-to-voice, human-to-human contact that is gone. I mean, mm. we, we were just talking about this as our family, that we can order groceries yeah. and have them delivered to our front door and food, restaurants that we used to have to go to and interact with a waitress to, or a waiter to get our food delivered is now a quick exchange at the front door. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to leave our homes for almost anything anymore. And so the necessary yeah. uh, involvement into the, uh, to the, what, the dangerous world, we've isolated ourselves. Well, this is not good for the human soul. Oh, so gosh. Church, yeah. church is the one place where f interaction is required, face-to-face, yeah. voice-to-voice interaction. It's actually, when you think about it from an anthropological standpoint, like that, uh, uh, the diminishment of our socialization is so bad for us as a species. Mm -hmm. So here is the church again, like the church is teaching us how to be human yes. again. The problem is we've divided up society so we, we have this sort of sacred space and secular space. And so society is where everything else happens. And then yeah. the church is where I the sacred do stuff. the religious stuff. Yeah, yeah, I worship God and interact. And I may or may not see those people the rest of the week, but it's optional. Yeah. You know, small groups, it's op it's optional. But I, but in, for the early church, Christianity was their whole all-encompassing life. And oftentimes, you know, that passage where Jesus says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, that gets taken as sort of Jesus blessing the division between our social, secular society and then our right. Christian life. It's the exact opposite of what mm -hmm. Jesus is doing. He's saying, how's it going for you yeah. trying to curry favor with Caesar? How's it working for you trying to compromise so that you get little bits of shred of your own independence uh, and religious life? And really, the kingdom's demands are totalizing. They, yes. they are meant to sort of consume all of us. The church can't have a common life yeah. unless we begin to understand that the claims of Jesus are total. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Which leads us to the seventh thing that you were wanting to talk about is that no yeah. one needs to win. Yeah. Have win and apostrophe there. So yeah. what, do you, what do you use to do? Uh, winning and losing, I think, is uh, right now it's rampant in our culture. And I think that in the church, there is no such thing as a winner or a loser. I think that we've all been leveled by the cross. <laughs> I think in the resurrection, we've all been raised up to the highest place that we could ever be raised to. I think that we have all that we could ever hope or dream for in Jesus Christ. And that means that there is no need to sequester resources or to sequester power or to have the haves and the have-nots, that just that doesn't belong in the church. I'm thinking now the, you know, the words of James, the half-brother of Jesus, talking about the poor and the rich in your gatherings and mm. how they were segmenting each other off and passing judgment on one another, and he just thought that that was blasphemous. Paul actually said that you're sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord when you do that. You're mm. sinning against the reality of what God has achieved for us in Jesus Christ. So I don't think that anybody needs to win. I think that when the struggle between the haves and the have-nots is over in the church, when we show that lions can lay down with lambs, that the poor and the rich can be together, that there's a free distribution of resources that is not mandated by anybody, but is instead awakened by the Spirit mm -hmm. in our midst. Guys, now mm -hmm. we're on the threshold of something really profound. So when we can get out of our mind the idea that anybody needs to win, and boardrooms and meetings and all of that stuff that there needs to be somebody needs to come out on top when that can die in us we're really opening up profound possibility for so you're, living you're together. talking about the use of power 
where power is not meant to lord over someone or right. control someone, but power is actually used to elevate people. Yes. That that the church is the one place where power is to, is used in a correct way. Yes. That I'm 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 using my power to lift you, not control you. Yes. Not Th- to dominate you, not yes. to, not to be abusive. Think about the symbols we have. Yeah. We have not a sword and a shield. Right. <laughs> As much as we have a bowl of water and a yes, towel, yes. we have a, a bread, a, a cross. We've got a cup. Yeah, we've got a cross. Yeah, we've got spilled blood. Like yeah. these are our symbols yeah. that are instructive to us for yes. how to live as the people of God. Yes. And John thirteen, he got up from the table, knowing where he comes from. Yes, knowing whose he is. Yes, what kind of power he has, and he takes off his outer garment and he wraps a towel, and he he washes the feet, and he says, now go do likewise. Mm, and no one has men. to win. Yes, exactly. And we have fog machines. We have. <laughs> so, don't, don't forget this. <laughs> All right, to obscure to the number, differences between us, right? <laughs> and to number eight. Yes. Number eight is beautiful. Accept vulnerability and weakness as the way of Jesus. Accepting vulnerability and weakness as the way of Jesus. I, you know, this is a hard one for everybody to accept. Uh, I was really impacted years ago by Henry Nouwen's vision mm-hmm. of the wounded healer. Mm-hmm. And he articulated something that I think that we know is true, but have a hard time living into, which is that um, those places that are the places of deepest pain and brokenness and shattering and even incapacity with us, those actually can become the places of greatest strength, that God can bless the church and bless the world in the most profound ways through it. Um, there, but you have to learn to accept that, you know, you have to learn to rest in that, to know that your weakness can be a platform for the power of God to be made manifest. And I just, it, I, maybe it's just a human thing, but I see us categorically getting this wrong in the church. Uh, we are constantly, everything that we do is about shoring up weaknesses and amplifying right. strength. So what we want in the church is we want super leaders yeah. and super pastors, supermen and super women that got it all together and they just look like the symbol of strength that yeah. we need them to be. Heroic, skinny, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, and One out of two would be fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the same thing in Paul's day, right? He talks yeah. about the super apostles and he goes, yeah. we, but we came among you. In weakness and in fear and in much trembling, he says, we weren't like that. We weren't like the super. We were like you as fathers and mothers. We were sharing our lives with you. There was something about the extreme humanness Mm. of Paul's embodiment of the mission of Jesus that actually spoke to the way in which Jesus conquers the world, which is by weakness and not by some display of strength. one One of the most powerful things that happens in the local church is water baptism. So mm. think about entering mm. into the water of baptism and another person is placing your full body yes. under mm. the water yes. and raising you up. The old is gone, the new has come. Yeah. That is, that's a symbol of vulnerability. You're allowing yourself to be immersed yeah. underwater. Yeah by another disciple. Yes. And someone is in the water with you. That is a very it's vulnerable. It's extremely moment. vulnerable. Yes. I remember meeting a guy years ago, and you know how sometimes you're talking with someone and you think, like, what's behind the veil there? Yeah. Like, what won't you give me access to? We could only go so far. And he was kind of this Zig Ziglar meets Tony Robbins meets Jesus, <laughs> and everything was so excited, and he was always everything was just like, you know, made yeah. the win and all of this. And I remember one night, I just always felt like I, I couldn't get, I couldn't break in. One night, my phone rings late, and it's his wife. And she says, can you come over? And so I go over, and she takes me back into their master bedroom. He's on the floor next to the bathtub, passed out drunk. Mm. And he wakes up, and he sees me, his pastor, 
and he starts sobbing. He's mm. embarrassed. He, you aren't supposed to see me like this. And and I sat down next to the, the bathtub with him, and we, I hugged him, and he's weeping. And I'm telling you, that moment was the moment that it became real. Mm. From that moment, he's been sober for years now. His marriage is strong. Mm-hmm. He's he's vibrantly engaged in the life of the church. But it took becoming vulnerable and yeah. weakness to be named and yes. on the table. And before that, we could only go so far. Yes. And I've seen a great transformation transformation in this guy's life when it started at the moment of weakness and vulnerability. Brothers and sisters, if we can't yeah. say this yeah. to each other, if we can't name it, if we can't tell the truth, yes. what are we doing? Well, in theory, we're the institution that comes together every week and says, most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against yeah. you. Like we're out of excuses and the self-justification is over and we really didn't have it inside of us to make it on our own or to pull this off. Help us, but we forget that so often. Speak to how this gets abused on the opposite side. So if one generation or one sort of iteration of Christian leadership is the, like the muscular Jesus on the win, cross, win, win. Yeah, yeah. you know, the, the perfectly put together. The other extreme, and we see it, it kind of in our totally. day-to-day, is vulnerability as an end in itself. Yeah. Sure. And it almost becomes sort of voyeuristic vulnerability. 100%. Right? Yeah, so, so where can the way of Jesus be an excuse for yeah. not actually becoming whole? Yeah, well, I think when it becomes an end in itself, all of a sudden it's an idol. And I, I this, to me, I actually think back to the, earlier in the conversation, part one, when we talked about structure versus spontaneity, mm. I don't think with Jesus we have to make a decision between which one of these mm. is the right thing. So I think that our strengths are given to us by God, and His and His power is made manifest in them. And I also think that those weaknesses are places that we can claim as places where the power of God is is trying to peek through. So I don't think that we have to choose. I do agree with you. I think that it can become really voyeuristic. All of a sudden, it's an end within itself. But insofar as those weaknesses and those vulnerabilities are real, I think in the church, we don't have to run from them. And just one, uh, I've, t- I've told pastors this for a long time, that there are things that I share out of the pulpit and yeah. there are things that I don't. Yes. I, I share uh, victories of yes. past weaknesses. I, I share uh, past things that were broken that Lord's healed. Yeah. But when I'm going through a season where I'm really wrestling and having some brokenness in my heart, I, I usually share that privately with a yes. group of trusted yes. friends, yes. Yep. And uh, but I don't share that out of the pulpit. Yes. Yeah. And that doesn't make me less vulnerable. No, I just no, think no. there are times when... Uh, you can share too much out yeah. of the pulpit, and it yeah. actually harms people because people lose hope for their own brokenness. Right. Yeah, there are rooms where certain kinds of vulnerability need to happen. One of my rules for myself with preaching is that I won't I won't share vulnerable spaces like that unless they've been revol- resolved in some way. And, and I can, yeah, they need to have been healed. If it's still in process for me, then I'm going to take care of that in another Private. room. And if I need to allude to it, it'll be in the vaguest way possible. But I'm not going to turn the gathered community of the saints into a therapy session for me. That's wrong. That's an abuse of that situation. Part of my concern when Rob Bell, when he, uh, several years ago, is that he was asking questions that he himself was still wrestling with, and it was just causing confusion. So it's one thing to have questions, but he was asking questions that uh, he had no resolve for, and it was was doing harm to especially young believers. I think that with a a lot of young leaders, like what they need is good spiritual directors. Mm -hmm. You need to have a space where you're going to wrestle with some of that stuff, and then when you can bring it into the public eye in a way that actually benefits and helps the church and you can lead through it exactly then you're ready number nine where we are this is a beautiful list andrew thank you for writing this yeah but number nine your hopes and dreams for the next 10 years of church yeah. is to lead together well i think one of the reasons that we have uh siloed leadership or leadership that's kind of you know i go up to mount sinai and then i come down with the word is because we're really afraid to show our vulnerability and our weaknesses to yeah. others yeah. so we have that kind of siloed leadership or uber hierarchical leadership 
because we don't know how to be really open with each other. So I think that when we embrace our vulnerability and weakness, I think it creates the possibility of us leading together. So to me, it's actually a corollary of the embrace, the sort of rediscovery of weakness as the way of Jesus, the wounded healer, that we're also seeing uh, churches across North America learning to lead together. We're seeing more plural leadership structures, which is neat. Um, so I, I, I think, and I think that in the church, this is the place where this can happen, where difference is gathered up under under the the power and authority of the risen Christ, and we don't have to fear what everybody else brings to the table. By the way, the Moses model of leadership did not work for Moses. Yeah, that's either. right, exactly. <laughs> I always get that. Go up to the mountain, come down. No. But first of all, he almost killed him yes, and right. the people yes. with him. That yeah. out for you? Yeah, his yeah. father-in-law had to come and rebuke him for yes. that very model. Very so good. why are we keep embracing right. the model that it was broken 5,000 years ago with yes. a couple million people, and we think it'll work for our 200 exactly. members Exactly, exactly. It won't work. It, it doesn't uh, work. There's always been a plurality of voices in leadership. 100%. And that doesn't mean that there's not clear leadership in the room. I mean, sure. I think that's one of the things that we do so well. Brady, you lead so well. It's very clear that you're making the first move and we're responding to that. And so that, all of that's wonderful. But you also do a great, like, it's safe here. And because it's safe here and because of what sh the space that you've created, we all feel empowered to share what we need to share and say what we need to say. And we're better together. Mm -hmm. We can lead more strongly together because we're not running away from each other or hiding our weaknesses or our vulnerabilities. You, you really have done a nice job, Andrew, of building these lists one on top of the other because it's it's true when we're vulnerable about our own limitations yeah. and our own sort of capacity and the, when we hit our, our limits, that's when we can make room for the other pe person's yeah. gifts. I mean, that's that's all the one another text of the New Testament yeah. is where I am weak, someone else is strong. So I'm free to be weak, not because God loves weakness, but yeah. because God loves us being made whole together. Yes. Together we are the body. Yes, I agree. And the last thing, number mm. 10, the 10 things that you wish were happening in the next decade yeah. is to learn once again the ancient wisdom that God is our all. Yeah. yeah. Dive into that a bit. I, I think that too many leaders are trying to achieve something existentially inside the church that only God can fill, and that's driving their leadership into bad places. Um, one of the great gifts I think that the Lord provided for me in the last several years, the gift of uh, leading us out of our church in Denver. I, I loved that church so much, and it was a crushing experience to leave it, and it also exposed for me. It was like one of those severe mercies, you know, mm. that exposed for me the ways in which I was using that experience to try to solve some things in me. And when those things are stripped away and all you have left in, inwardly is God, uh, I think that that settles something in your soul, and 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 it showed me. I think again. I think you know this. Like as Christians, we know this, but I think we need spaces where we can really claim it inside. God is our all, and if I'm not going into the church to try to solve something existentially that go only God can fill, then what that means is that I can be open-handed with my leadership. I can be open-handed with my resources. I can take the time to listen to other people, listen to different perspectives. So I really think that all of these things, like the first nine things, actually rest on that notion of God, it's you and you alone. I think that we've got to come back to that. Let me read what you wrote here. Yeah. This is really beautiful. It was very, uh, I just was very moved by it when I read it the first time. He says, if that's true, when God becomes our all, we will love silence more than speaking and so be liberated to listen. We will love poverty more than riches and so be liberated to be generous. We will love obscurity more than notoriety and so be liberated to live out of the limelight. We will love solitude as much as community and so be liberated from the desire to use others. And we will love powerlessness more than power and so be liberated to lose everything daily for Jesus. Yeah. Well said, Andrew. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> 
the poet among us. He's just <laughs> described the <laughs> sage. Andrew, thank you for putting this list together. I yeah. hope this has been a helpful conversation to those of you who are listening. Uh, these are the kind of conversations we're having offline, and oftentimes mm -hmm. we'll come on and share this with our podcast. Andrew is a deep well. Uh, Andrew has just launched New Life East as a part of our congregational Woo -woo. team, Woo. and it's off to an <laughs> amazing start. He's an amazing leader. Hundreds of people went out east of town to start this beautiful congregation with you. So, Andrew, we're very proud of you, proud of the way you write, the way you think. Uh, these prophetic uh, words, to, I think, are for us and for the church. So thank you so much for sharing them. Thanks for letting me. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast. Our goal is always to strengthen and provoke the thinking of church and ministry leaders. And so if you found this or any episode helpful to you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Your reviews help leaders just like you find our podcast. And if you have any comments or suggestions on people or topics you'd like for us to cover, be sure to let us know via social media. And of course, please do share this and other episodes you find helpful around the web. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. Mm -hmm.